This is the Catholic Movie Guy Podcast. And we are back from the Catholic Movie Guy Podcast. Uh, we actually are going to get at least two podcasts out in a month. I think that might be a record for the past year. How are you doing, Bo? Not too bad. I'm here by a road, so you might hear more vehicle traffic than usual. We like to say on-site in the business. On, he, on-site. He is actually on location at the Isle of Dogs, which is the topic for, for this <laughs> this podcast. It is, there's so much trash. I just want to mention at the beginning that this is a double feature podcast, so at the beginning we'll talk about Isle of Dogs, but then around the 15-minute mark or so we're going to skip to the new Avengers movie, Infinity War. So if you're only interested in that, feel free to skip ahead. Uh, before we get started, I want to remind everyone that Bo's a very important personage, so please listen to his uh, his program on Iowa Catholic Radio, The Uncommon Good, which he does with uh, Dr. Bud Marr, and you can podcast that at your leisure, and also check it out live streaming on every Wednesday, is that correct? That's true, iowacatholicradio.com on a Wednesday Central Standard Time at 10 a.m. And as you listen to Bo's show, I urge you to go to iTunes and leave me five-star reviews and retweet my things whether you like them or not and uh, like me and basically just talk me up to everyone that you know in virtual or real reality yes your your health depend your mental health depends on it indeed and speaking of um uh health yeah uh, isle of dogs right what, what's the premise right. here it's a wes anderson movie if you, you know a lot of people uh, it's kind of a lover lover hate relationship with wes anderson I uh, I'm not like a fanboy, but I'm you know I do I do appreciate his work. I've I've liked uh, his work in the past, but I'm also not at a Cohen honk level with him. So right. I went into this with kind of an open mind. Where are you on Mr. Anderson? Um, I think uh, I I like some of his movies are some of my favorites. I don't think they're as even as some people do. You know, you go there's some people who are Wes Anderson fans who act like. Every word he made is Shakespeare. I think there's some that are a lot better than others. So, I, yeah, I always like giving his movies a chance. Agree. And, uh, you know, I did like Moonrise Kingdom, which I think was his most recent one before this. But I didn't, you know, love it, love it, love it like I do this movie. I uh, I mentioned the other day I took my kids to see it, my whole family, and every single person in the family, with the exception of the four-year-old who was kind of bored, um, right. really enjoyed the film. And... Um, I mean, my expectations were, were neutral. I, I knew it would be good, but I didn't know it would be this good. How did you feel about it? See, for me, it's like, you know, Wes Anderson really doesn't have loads of new tricks. He does Wes Anderson things towards different subjects. And so sometimes I think, you know, knocks it out of the park. Like, I love the Royal Tenenbaums because it's just that quirkiness really, you know, just worked. I think this is another one where it really works well. You have the weird stop motion. You know, you have, like... Uh, the sort of scholastic knowledge about an island of trash that makes it interesting, you know, like, call, what is he, what is he called? The, the, the center fingers or whatever. They have all these names, yeah, yeah. uh, that are really like intricate and yeah, so. I thought it really worked uh, for the the topic at hand. Yeah, and that was that was the thing I was going to bring out up top is like you know he's he's kind of known for creating movies in sort of a series of paintings type of framing where there's this precise symmetry on each side and you know characters are perfectly centered or the object that's in fo- you know in focus is perfectly aligned and all that and i think that sometimes in his movies that quirkiness with real life actors works and sometimes it's just a little contrived and puts puts you off from from whatever the movie's trying to get at but with the stop motion i just think it's it's the perfect medium for him and he he does this 
plot wise too, right? He yeah. likes symmetrical plots. He likes sort of fables. And so, you know, a movie that like pretty much gives it to you that this is going to be like a fable. It just really works. And, and sometimes I think people, I, you know, I, I think they, they view him as sort of like the super hipster. So you can't think he's ever earnest, but I do mm-hmm. think there's moments where he's very earnest. And so I think he's like, yes, this is just, this is a fable. And yeah. some people didn't buy that. And I actually think that, you know, in contrast to someone like the Coens or the the Coens rep before, let's say, True Grit and more, some of the more recent films where it's clear that they actually are um, saying something. Um, right. Where, the, where you kind of look at everything with, is this, you know, this is ironic. Is it double irony or triple irony? With him, right. it's more of a childlike whimsy. You know, it, it's it's not always serious, but it's it's always, uh, I think there is an earnestness to to him. Uh, in the ridiculousness of of what he's doing, and in this film, like I said, the medium it, it just it, it works perfectly. So, basic plot synopsis is uh, this is like what ten years in the future, something like that, twenty. Yes, yeah. In, yep. in Japan, and uh, not in a racist way. Uh, and there's this dog flu, and the emperor hates dogs, and it's this really convoluted mythology as to why. It's wonderful, and uh, right. basically, a young boy wants to get his dog back, and he's the the ward of the the prefect of of the district that that the exile occurs in. So, you know, actually, I, I know that maybe you wanted to, I don't know, when you wanted to talk about this, but yes. Yeah, so, the the sort of thing that always comes up with Wes Anderson is, you know, is he appropriating culture? Um, I, I always think it's funny because I don't <laughs> think anyone in Japan would like blink two eyes at this. It's not like it's. Yeah, yeah, it's like you said, it's not making fun of the Japanese or anything. Um, but I think it goes back to childlike earnestness. I just think he thinks Japan's cool, and he wanted Who to make doesn't, a... it, man? I mean... <laughs> yeah. It, it, and so, I mean, I think that that starts to be, you know, if not to, like, bemoan, you know, cultural ills too much. Like, we've got to the point where someone can't just really like another culture and want to set their story there, and... A lot was made, you know, that there's the the one English character as, you know, the the leader of the protest group. But I'm like, I think the protest group is mostly kind of a joke. And, like, mm-hmm. really she's there just so there's a bit more English spoken, not because she's this really important character. So, yeah. any rate. I love how the, the outrage machine has to frame everything in terms of uh, maximizing their outrage when... Yeah, it's clear. Just like, why do the dogs talk in English? Well, because he's, you know, he speaks English and he wants his audience to understand most of the movie and getting them to, to bite on the fact that the uh, most of the human characters don't is already somewhat of a, a sell. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, usually the simplest explanation does hold in, in these matters. And, the, and the, the thing is, like, you know, it used to be you, you had to celebrate all cultures, and now it's like even pointing out what's worth celebrating in a culture is somehow racist and appropriation. It's just whatever. So. Well, yeah, and I mean, like, they, someone also made a big deal, like, well, because the Japanese are left untranslated, they're, like, alien to you. And I'm like, what are they talking about? Like, I'm like, <laughs> obviously really important things are going on, but you're supposed to be, like, sympathizing with the dogs, and the dogs have no clue what they're saying. So any rate, it's just... Such such a doing backflips to make an unproblematic movie problematic. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk. Let's now that we got that out of the way, that interests me not a whit. So uh, you know, I'm, I, you listen to the podcast. You're on the podcast. You may have picked up that I'm not like the hugest Pope Francis honk in the world. You know, I mean, I, I do acknowledge uh, that he exists and that he's the Pope, and and that's great. But uh, I, I even I uh, had to think of Laudato Si, I believe it's called, when I was watching this right. movie. 
And uh, my favorite Catholic reviewer of the moment, the Catholic cinephile, has a great review about the movie where he, he goes into more detail about this, but basically that this is talking about, and you don't have to think about it just in the terms of environmentalism, which is you know limited in its appeal, but just the terms of, of a fallen world, a very fallen world in this case, uh, a dirty, filthy world, you know, spiritually and physically, and how these, um, you know, these innocent characters or these pure characters are on a quest for, for something better, and obviously the, the illusions resonate with the Catholic. Well, I think, uh, you know, the, the throwaway culture, right, like Laudato see like, when, it, when it's in its most penetrating says like okay so throwaway culture pervades like all sorts of relationships mm-hmm. and so this group that can you know instead of just like let's just heal the dogs because people have loved dogs for a long time and and compared to like the old paintings right of like the made-up story about like the dogs and the cats and all these things like this and they're green and lush and it's country you know and like uh you know uh then they you know here's trash island right so like mm-hmm. we throw all the trash there and we throw the dogs there and this boy who's sort of a throwaway boy, we, you know, he ends up there. And, uh, I know, I think that that's, it's, it's a really great sort of visual, um, yeah, question that it asks us. Like, how much are we like that? Where, like, if we have problems, you know, we would rather invent Trash Island than, like, deal with these really long, deep-seated hatreds or whatever it is. And again, it's in a very simplistic way because it's supposed to be a fable. Um, but no, I think that you're right. That's a really interesting way to actually read it. Yeah, and again, it's nothing you know that's that's too complex. I mean, the the story on a surface level appeals to my 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 uh, eight year old and to an eighty year old, but there's there's lots of deeper things. I mean, I've read some reviews where there are some pretty obvious, I guess, political illusions you could draw with, uh, you know, they're they're banishing this this outside influence and uh, and instead of you know looking for the good in, in the dogs and trying to redeem them despite their problems and, and letting them have their place in the country. I'm sure you could make some immigration points with, with Trump and the wall and stuff like that. But again, that doesn't interest me as much as the um, the more I guess spiritual aspects of it. Like you said, the throwaway culture and just a culture that is that has uh, sort of lost its way from its idyllic past. Yeah, and you know, so I, I reminded of um, Children of Men, like the movie where uh, like people watch that movie and like really paid attention to like 15 minutes of scenes when they were dealing with this idea of immigration mm-hmm. and the Bush era, instead of like <laughs> this really profound question about like what would happen if there were no mothers, you know? And right. I think that that happens here, right? Like, of course that's an issue, right? When we have, you know, uh, a throwaway culture, when we have limited resources, humans turn against each other. But like, clearly the movie is like getting at this much deeper question about all of these things. And people are just, you know, I was reading something today, I don't want to bring it up, but it was making me think, like, maybe this whole widespread literacy is not really worth it. Maybe it's not working out. It's like, because people, people only seem to read what they want, and I think that this happens with movies. Like, there's ten minutes of this movie that they judge everything else on instead of seeing it for its, its you know, entirety. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, when you say throwaway culture, just this over, we're, we're overwhelmed with, with information and material goods. And so we just, because of that, we have to like take the the most superficial, quick interpretation of anything that comes out, and make sure we 
we uh, you know digest it. That even in the even in the phrase content, right? Like uh, this this site has great content. This movie has great content, or this TV show, or these memes, or whatever. It's just like it's a consumable that you're supposed to take in quickly and just you know get the waste out of you again. And right. I think that's so you know that's what what you try to do on your show. I think whenever you talk about the public nature of art and the common good, and that's what I started the podcast for. Is like no, that's really not no good piece of art is meant to be you know taken in that way at all. Well, and I mean, just in a really small sort of way to point this out, um, not to ruin us, not to I guess it's a little bit of a spoiler alert, but. You know, when you have one of the bad characters see the error of their ways, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting. And like this movie does it in a way that isn't wooden. I mean, it's it's fairy taleish, sure, but it's not wooden. And you go like, yeah, I could understand that character seeing the error of their ways because of the sort of wholesomeness of the characters and the wholesomeness of the plot. And uh, uh, but if it's a consumable, right? We want bad guys to be bad, good guys to be good. And I think they do a good job of not just making anti-heroes or complicated characters, but, like, Wes Anderson does a really good job of making you understand why characters who change, change. And I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, and even the uh, the character played by that Brian Cranston, the dog, uh, yeah. who I guess you would say is the main dog of the story, as it turns out, goes through right. uh, different character beats and... Uh, and in, in a way that is is more fully fleshed out than than most human characters in uh, blockbusters today. So I yeah I mean I thought you know and, and again with Anderson sometimes it's like you're watching the movie and it's whimsical and the characters are quirky but they don't really hit home as like this thing could actually exist as a real creature in this world. And right here I think the humans and, and especially even the dogs uh, pass that test with flying colors. No, I agree. I even like the little details, like when they're kicking the the girl out. I mean, I don't think this is ruining anything, but they're gonna kick her out, and she she has to be sent back to Cincinnati, Ohio, and just you <laughs> yeah, know, nice. yeah, like you're no. like if you're from Cincinnati, Ohio, and you got to be a foreign exchange student in Japan, that's like the worst thing that can happen to you. It's, I don't know. The, he just the, his attention to detail is always pretty surprising. Yeah, and even you know, and even there, like you say, like if some people are accusing this of being some sort of anglo superiority uh display where no the girl is kind of made to look ridiculous and funny and, and that's an example of it right there it's like right yeah i of, think we, you're out of your element donnie you know what i mean yeah exactly we all know i think we all know the foreign exchange student who went somewhere and came back <laughs> and we're just like please stop talking like you are not better than us now and i exactly. think you know she's sympathetic but she's also ridiculous and somehow that got turned into She's the main character because yeah. of, you know, blah, you know, uh, whatever. Just yeah, and, uh, don't and, watch movies I mean, don't anymore. You, don't you think exactly? Don't you think that she wasn't even like even close to the main character? Like I would put her maybe no. fifth, sixth, something like that. I mean, it's not even. It's ridiculous. So whatever. Uh, I wanted to say one other point though. You know, there's a line in this movie uh, that really kind of brought it home to me, and, it, where, and it's in the trailers too, so no, it's not spoiling anything. But she says something like. Well, why? One of the one of the characters says, "Why, why, why are we going to help this little boy?" It's like because he's a twelve-year-old boy. Dogs love those. Um, yeah. Just a great line, but also this movie combines kind of some of my favorite things. Like it's a it's a quest movie. It's it's good for the whole family. It's uh it says something a little deeper, and it's also in its way a coming of age movie. And, and they nailed it on all fronts, I think. And and going back to the mythology of our podcast together, it's coming of age. 
that I'm on board with too. Right, I know that's you know, twelve year olds, not not ladybird <laughs> stuff. Yeah, so it's, I thought it was really good. I've gotten so much ladybird hate. Did you see the comment I got? <laughs> and I I can mention it because I know this person's not going to listen to the podcast probably. Uh, that you know, well that that was a very you know it, it was something like that was a nice review of Ladybird, but it's rated R, so I'll never see it. <laughs> And I was like, alright. <laughs> was like, wasn't that's not the, my problem. Wasn't the passion Richard, rated okay. R? I, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You can't please all folks. But I think that actually this movie has a chance of pleasing most folks. Right. Most. Most, most reasonable folks. So, so Bo, uh, I think, I think we've, I've, you got any other major points you want to just dive into the final rating here? Make this one short and sweet. Yeah, let's dive into it. I'm going to yep, give agreed. this, and you know I rate them high, I know. But it's because I love the movies. It's a 9. It's a 9 out of 10 for me. I think 8.5 uh, uh, cubes trash is what I would <laughs> give it. Um, I, I, definitely, I definitely see wanting to watch it again. And like you said, especially if your family members dig it, I can see that. Uh, so yeah, 8.5. This is a movie that I, I, I'm looking forward to coming out in Redbox. Yes, um, and I want to now jump or transition to another movie that has a chance of pleasing most people, I think. What did you think of the Avengers Infinity War? So, uh, this one is still... Nice. It's complicated. All right. Yeah, um, the movie is very actually pleasing to watch. Like People who like watched it and thought it was like grating or just like too long... I don't know, man. Like, I, I, it was suspenseful to the end. Uh, is very brave. I know you don't want to spoil right out of the gate, so we can. Like, I was impressed that they chose. Like, because I mean, I think I'm like the primo viewer of this movie. Like, I know the comic books, but I don't know this one, this arc specifically. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of like fill in where maybe some stuff was not spelled out, but I didn't like. I'm not someone who's, like, wedded to the story, like, I'm like, why aren't there X-Men, or blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I actually thought, like, wow, like, they they set out to do a very difficult thing. I mean, they have all these people that they have to to integrate. It was enjoyable. I liked how, no matter who we were following, they still had their mood, you know? So, like, Mm -hmm. when it was Guardians of the Galaxy, it was still funnier than, like, you know, Captain America, which was serious. You know, like, I think they, they, they did a good job tracking with all these things. Um, but I will admit the one thing that, you know, with every Marvel movie now is like, you're really going to judge how good this movie is depending on what the next one's like. Yeah. Uh, and they really do that to themselves. So I don't know, like, you know, I, I don't want to jump to ratings already, but I, I, after I watch this and I think, if I talk about this with yield Catholic movies, <laughs> movie guy what would i rate it yeah. and like can i like can i call for like waiting until we watched the last 30 or whatever else we have to watch so um a good i loved watching it but i have to admit i it, it, it tugged it confused me a bit about how i felt about it so i have to uh i have to go on a little rant here if you'll permit me i'll try to keep it under 50 minutes or so sounds good yeah my the catholic movie gal loves marvel movies you know, like, it started out whenever Iron Man came out, 2007, whatever whatever it was, where I had to, like, drag her to it, and now she has to drag me. Um, yeah. I don't know when that happened. And it's not because I don't like superheroes, because, like you, I grew up reading comic books. I was mostly an X-Men guy, so, again, I'm not familiar with super details of this plot particularly. But Same here, yeah. Um, what started to bother me is the same thing that bothers me about getting into a TV show, and this, this point right. has been made that... 
that every movie is not a movie. It's just the next TV show, a really, yes. really long TV show. And mm-hmm. it, it's 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 one reason why I don't meet, like even like so, like like the Timbro is trying to get me into uh, the Americans, right? And he points out what's good and what's right. bad about it. It's still going on. And I, I have always, you know, now I'm behind, so it's a commitment. But it's all—it's not just that. It's that I want to know whether that was good when I start to yeah. lo- fall in love with it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I do oh, not yeah. want to invest a lot of time and then have them give me a season where I'm like, well, that ruined everything. And so that affects us. Like, yes, like you said, I mean, just watching it, it's a joy to watch. It was funny. It was emotional at times. I came, you know, close to uh, feeling very sad at times. I, I laughed. I cried. Whatever. Right. But... I don't know how I feel about it, and I don't even know if I know how I feel about it next year after Captain Marvel and the second Ant Man and the second Avengers, or if it'll be five years from now when it goes off the rails and it affects what I'm watching, and that that bothers me. You know, I I know that that that's a great business model, and if they pull it off, it will be a great saga of movies, incredible. But I, I don't know yet, you know. So it, it does bother me. So. There's two things that I think about that because, like, my wife and I actually have talked about this extensively between TVs and movies. One is I call this the lost effect. We have, like, yes. anxiety because of that stinking show and about how, like, it was awesome the first year. And then, like, it consistently – it was like the St. Louis Cardinals every time they march out a new pitcher from the bullpen. <laughs> like, there is some hope. Uh, it's not hopeless enough. A lot like, of if anxiety. Only it, yeah. yeah, if only it was more hopeless, like mm-hmm. I could like rest easier. But you think maybe they can pull it off, and then the ninth inning comes, and then the thirteenth inning comes, and then you're like, man, Lost totally gave up a grand slam because that last, oh gosh, you know, so angry about all the time that I invested in that last part of the show made the whole thing stupid. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. So Sunny Bunch of like the Washington Free yes, Beacon. I, I read that. That's a great article. That is exactly classic. right. And my wife is a TV person and I am a movie person. Like completely. I'm like, yeah, movies are like worlds that are contained in themselves. Even that's why like trilogy is about where you have to max out, right? Right. And you'll you watch a movie expecting you could watch it again, right? Like I watch movies I like three to five times. I do not go back through TV shows. I'm like the only, you know, The Simpsons when it used to be on in reruns and we would get yeah, quippy jokes. But it's different with a comedy because a comedy contains within itself a certain level, a certain level of importance that it can max out at. So it's okay if right. you don't stick the landing as much. But yeah, I agree. Like I'm looking for perfection. I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, start praising the skyscraper when it's only at floor 15. I want to see it when it's yes. at floor 50. And uh, I agree with you. And, and I, this is a sidebar, but who cares? It's my podcast, right? So Breaking Bad, like I do go back and watch that, and that's why I love it so much because to me it's incredible that they stuck the landing at every time they made yes. a jump. Yep. And you know, I waited a long time before I let myself give into that because I just I don't want to waste my time. Um, so yeah, I think it is more of an achievement if you make a TV show that that passes it, but at the same time, it's not satisfying going through it. Uh, another thing, I guess, that in this point has been made, I guess, uh, also in that Sunny Bunch article in a way, but the cool thing about the Marvel movies is that they're so big that it's something that we all have in common, and it's something that we all have to kind of see it at the time it comes out, because right. you know, spoilers are going to get out there. It's one of those few things that we have in 2018 that unites us as a pop culture phenomenon. And that's why I think it's even more disappointing that you can't evaluate. It's like, well, did you watch it? Yeah, what did you think of the ending? Well, yeah, but who knows what's going to happen. 
And spoiler and alert, spoiler alert, in a, in a way, certain people die, certain people don't, or certain people seem to die and maybe they didn't. You know, right. it's, it's very unsatisfying to have the water cooler conversation when you're not even really sure what, what's happening. And see, so what's crazy, right, is some of these early Marvel movies I thought were perfect examples of movies that I'd watch continuously. So, for instance, The Avengers, I was so stoked when that came out. Yes. And my kids watched it and, like, probably watched that movie, like, between, you know, putting kids to bed or whatnot, like, 12 times, right? Like, knew that movie backwards and, and, and it forwards. And is, it is contained within itself, even though it's a yes. chapter of a larger... Right. So that starts to be the thing with me is if I have a critique about, like, I don't know, like, pre- pretty much everything after Captain America Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. is everything after that, they stopped trying to do that. They stopped trying to make a movie that fit into the larger thing, and you could just watch it. Okay, let me back up. Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. Exactly, that. and that yeah. that's what I was going to say, is I think those are the ones that I actually look forward to the most now. Are the yeah. ones that I know are, or as it turns out, were pretty self-contained. Even like uh, Ragnarok, I know it did serve yes. a big plot point, but you can just watch that as the as yes. it itself, and it works, and it's different. Um, same thing with the Spider-Man Homecoming movie. You know, that's an origin story in a way, but it's not like you needed to see that to see the Avengers or something like that. It's just a Spider-Man movie. And see, you know, but then I think about like like Black Panther, which I can understand why people really liked it. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's other cultural things to it, and I'm all, like, cool and understand that. If they made a movie that was about the origin of Oklahoma superheroes, I'd watch it every day. Uh, but, but no one else would. But, like, that what now? Good. I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, no. uh, sorry, I love but, uh, Oklahoma. Those are my people. Yeah, no. Uh, but so the, the thing that is, but, like, even that movie... Although they never explicitly did it, I'm like, man, they're setting up the next thing. Like, it's like it's it's like the whole project is making me have doubts where maybe I don't even need to. Because I can't tell you what in Black Panther seemed like they were like doing an alley oop, but it I just I just it just seemed that way the entire time. And see, that is a very interesting point you brought up, and I have I can I can actually counteract it. I think. Because I didn't, I never got around to seeing Black Panther for whatever reason. It just didn't happen. I think I was burnt out and I had other stuff I was doing, whatever. So I didn't see it till after the Avengers. So I was freed of that worry because I knew, uh. you know. And just watching it for what it was, because I went in, I'm like, oh, another one of these. All right, fine. And I actually ended up liking it way more than I thought I would. And it really, Good. you know, there was some the technology or whatever has been in the background, the vibranium. But yeah. it wasn't really uh, essential to see that at all before seeing the Avengers, and I appreciate that. But it seems like you either have an origin movie now, or you have uh, just a, f- a filler gap till the next big one, and that does that does ruin the it can ruin the watching experience on the first time, even if it doesn't on subsequent, like we like you just said. So can we spo- can we do spoiler alert now? Okay, so yeah, we can talk um, about not, stuff. Not yet. Have to do the official noise. Do-do-do-do. All right, go ahead. Okay. So that's that's some great noises. Um, yeah, I've, there, I've been working on those for months. So first of all, dude, Josh Brolin as Thanos, yes. which I thought like I I kept thinking Thanos would be like the worst character. It would be like Apocalypse in we the X Men movies, but we worse. We all did. We all did. He was fantastic. I have like, to say, wow. man, it's not just like okay, yes, he was. The not just like fantastic, but he is on a run where I'm I'm comfortable saying. That he's my favorite actor of the moment. I, I don't 
Yeah. I mean, from from uh, True Grit, Hail Caesar, in this, I just man, he is he is he is nailing. I mean, uh, not True Grit, sorry, No Country for Old Men. No Country Hail for Caesar, Old Men. Yeah. This, I mean, he was good in True Grit, much smaller role. Uh, but he is just, he's nailed everything I've seen him in, just fantastic. And for him to turn this guy into not only a, a scary villain, a great yeah. villain, but also an understandable villain without, like, demyth- Yeah, but oh. not not in a way that demythologizes him either. Um, no. Yeah, just... I got though. the, but like, every comic book writer, if they happen to go watch it, who wrote about Thanos, I think they're all being like, oh man, like, we messed up, like, this was the Thanos we should have been doing. And I'm not, like, my brother would know, for instance, if, like, they ever actually did this, but I never got that impression. Thanos always seemed like, sort of like, the deus ex machina for the bad guys. Right. But dude, like, you know, what did it cost you? Everything. And you're like, oh my gosh, right? I mean, yeah, like, yeah. and the, the smile at the end. Um, and here's the deal, <laughs> like, not to make this, like, all of a sudden too super serious, if people, like, go, like, with the sort of, like, NHS thing with Alfie Evans or, like, uh, all sorts of things where people go, like, I can't understand people who don't take the Catholic position. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell them to go watch Josh Brolin's Thanos because he, like, I'm not, of course, I think it's evil and wrong and horrible, but he thinks he's right. Like, it's merciful to kill half the people in the galaxy so that the other half can actually have a decent living. That's what we're up against. Exactly. When you hear about, you know, people who pay, you know, the the culture of death versus the culture of life, that whole thing. I mean, yeah. this is a villain for our time, really. It's the villain that that thinks he, you know, C.S. What's that C.S. Lewis quote? Is like, the the worst dictator is the one who thinks that that they're they're doing you good by what they do or whatever. Right. This is this is exactly what we're facing. It's like, no, no, you don't understand. Your baby has to die. Yeah. <laughs> I am, no, and that's the I thing. am become Thanos. That's what that's that's Great yeah. Britain right now. Because that's the thing is like, and I think we miss out if we don't like not sympathize like we agree, but like if we can't enter into that and understand how they do these things and, and like hold the positions they do and think they're the merciful ones. We're going to, like, miss all sorts of cultural steps trying to talk about why we disagree. And right. I just thought Thanos was one of the best embodiments of it that so I've here, seen in a long time. So here's the issue, though, right? Um, while watching the movie, it's clear that Thanos is not crazy. That, that his, like you said, his points from a certain view are incredibly rational. Like uh, J.K. Yeah. Chesterton says, you know, the, the irrational man is too rational, not not rational at all. Right. Um, but, and the movie clearly condemns Thanos. It's not like people are like, you're right, Thanos, good point, bud. Yeah. It's clear that he's evil and that it's wrong, you need to save this life, even if it seems foolish or, or whatever. But it doesn't exactly articulate a uh, counter-philosophy or anything. And I'm interested to see how it will play out in the second movie. Again, we can't really judge how... Uh, how convincing the counter-argument is until the second film is over, I guess. Yeah, and that starts to be something interesting because the Marvel movies have been sort of doing this for a while, like, much better than the DC movies, which, like, out of the gate are like, should there we're be not, superheroes? We're, we're not allowed to talk about DC movies on the yeah, podcast. Right. Yeah, but, like, it's been asking, right? So, like, with Ultron, like, I, the movie I don't think ultimately is all that great. I don't think it's awful, but it's definitely not one of my favorite ones. But, like... You know, we start to ask, like, are these people too powerful? Are they in it for the right reasons? Like, pretty reflective. 
and I'll agree with you, at least in this movie, everybody's reaction to Thanos is like, you know, you know, guttural, basic, you know, primal, right. and not really sophisticated enough, right? It's like all a, like... A natural law reaction. You can't even yeah. articulate it. You just know. Right. Like, you know, and it's, it, you know, and Thanos is throwing that out, right? Like, you know, I'm trying to make it, you know, like a fair and utilitarian and like it's completely random and like there's no self-interest. Like, it's like uh, Rawls and Mill both somehow had a baby with the devil and that's what you have, right? <laughs> like, it's clean. It's, uh, you know... Yeah, there's like, a movie. Yeah, there's a movie. <laughs> Uh, Hellboy 3, you know, and, um, <laughs> but, uh, what I think is, I actually, I, I'm holding off because that might be one of the best points of Infinity War is that no one has a great answer True. if they have an answer if they have the, the next right time answer. it comes up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But like, or it could just be like, uh, and this is what I'm extremely worried about because if you know, if you know Marvel, comics enough you know that anytime captain marvel is involved it's pretty dumb three-fourths of the time like a fourth yeah. of the time it can be great but three-fourths of the time it's all like ah oh, captain marvel da -da -da. i am glad you brought that up because that is my biggest worry it's like I, yes. I honestly don't have much experience with the captain marvel comics but there's a reason uh i just i'm very skeptical that this will be pulled off correctly with with obviously captain marvel being a, a centerpiece yeah, and it's just, you know, and that was like the, the, the after credits thing, and yeah. there's going to be the movie, and, you know, Tune in it's next one time. The, and it's one of the ones that they're really going to have to mess with, because, like, have you seen the decisions, the, have you yeah, seen the decisions the... they made don't work out right, <laughs> like, it's the Kree and everything like that, it's going to have to be different than at least one of the origin stories of Captain Marvel. But have you seen Brie Larson, by the way, Brie Larson's a great actress, so that's good. But uh, have you seen her in the Captain Marvel uniform in like these promo shots? It looks just no. awful. No, I have not. Oh my I guess gosh. I'm sparing it looks myself. Like, um, you ever seen that movie Jingle All the Way with your boy Schwarzenegger? <laughs> you know when he dresses up like Ultraman or whatever that guy's name. <laughs> that's that's what yeah. the costumes got me. It's like female Ultraman or whatever. It's like oh Great. no, shield me eyes. Horrible. So I don't know, man. I'm skeptical, but yeah, I mean. For for going in with, with how I was feeling, they they nailed it as well as they could given their their framework. Well, so this is the last like what I'm really worried about, and as I'm a pessimist, what I think will happen is uh, you don't care about these teams as much as I do. You can come up with your own sports analogy, but I remember the last time Oklahoma City Thunder had Kevin Durant, and we were up three one on the Golden State Warriors, and I was like, we got this right, like we got to get it. <laughs> And then that was like, that was, that was, that was what set the scene of like just everything exactly. being not fun in the sports world for me the last two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So I'm really worried that this is the like game four where like marvelous Oklahoma City Thunder and they just destroyed the Warriors that game. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I believe. And like right. sports is good at that, right? Like just believe a little, Bo. Come on, give up your jaded heart and believe, and that's when yeah. it just smashes it's, your heart. It's a great analogy because it's just like the playoffs. Like Marvel's, you know, we're through about what three three games of the seven game series now, right? And uh, we've got our hopes up, so we'll just have to wait a year and see how it turns out. But yeah, I, I was, think it, I was disappointed yeah. by that series too. I'll never get over that. Oh yeah. So like, I mean, I think everybody should go watch this one. One because on its own merits, 
Two, because you kind of have to, like you said, culturally and for the whole thing. And three, this might be the last good one. <laughs> That's true. And you're also, uh, to tie in with your recent podcast, we're all fighting the long defeat. So if you get your hopes up and then they're crushed next year, you know, deal with it. That's life. Yeah. Yeah. So enjoy just, that. Uh, just, uh, I mean, well, let, yeah, gosh, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's give a final rating as much as we can without accounting for the fact it could all go to crap next year. Uh, I'm saying, uh, I guess eight. Yeah. I'm not going to act like it's upper echelon, but I, I think people who were like saying like, it is unwatchable. I'm like, you guys are just react. I mean, I think yeah. there's people who just have fun reacting to it. I'm like, no, it was never boring. It was like right. some, like I, I liked it. I thought it was good, but like, you know, that, that is a very tentative eight because like it can in hindsight be way dumber depending on what they do. Well, uh, I give it a seven and a half. Uh, or so as well right there with you and uh, final verdict could could bring it higher or much lower uh, next year but i want to just point out that one of those people is my my brother tim and i said uh he said i said do you want to go see the avengers with me he said uh no i my interest is less than zero and i said well what do, what do you you can't be less than zero it's zero he's like no if you it was on in my house in front of my eyes i would get up and walk into another room so there you go he's one of those people uh but that's why we love him and that's why he's on the <laughs> okay. podcast yeah <laughs> well thank you both it was uh, <laughs> it was a good time as that's always awesome. and uh, i'm sure we'll we'll be back at it you know, in the next couple weeks or so Next time I'll try to have like passing ships in the background or something like that. <laughs> Wonder yeah, no, I like the white noise, it's good. Take care. Alright. Take care. <laughs>